Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, uh, Mariam Jam. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting I Am The Code. You know, I always said the fact you're supporting I Am The Code is elevating young women and girls globally. I really do mean this. Our girls in Kakuma Refugee Camp are really doing well. Thanks your donations, your support, your kindness, and your love. I got them some routers recently, and uh, they are connecting with people. And I get small messages from WhatsApp saying, thank you for connecting us with the world. So thank you. You know who you are. And I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for donating to our computers campaign. We will make sure the girls have got their own computers. You know, we cannot talk about digital literacy digital transformation if young girls from marginalized communities don't have access to computers. So again, I have, my heart is full and I want to thank you for being here. You know, this week, our rebuilding inclusion continues with a young woman I got to be introduced recently. Her name is Ella Robertson. She's a managing director at One Young World, a fantastic organization supporting young people all across the world. They do these annual events where they invite leaders, young people all across the world and give them a voice, a platform, something that we all need right now, I think. They talk about climate change issues, gender equality and more and more and more. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Ella. She was really, really brilliant. I loved having her. I will see you on the other side. Ella, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I am. You know, the UK has gone into uh, a new COVID status for our international listeners. We are now at level four, which means that we can't see people in groups. um, And it's a little bit disheartening. But uh, One Young World, which is the charity that I run, is very busy. So it's there's lots of work to keep us occupied if we even if we can't see our friends. What was the last event you did before the before the pandemic, the, the first wave, I would say? That is a great question. So I had a really busy January and February because um, cities were bidding to host the One Young World Summit. So I was going all around the world trying to look for a new host city for us. Um, and I think just before I before lockdown, um, I had a little holiday in Scotland. That was that was for leave. But before then, the last business trip I'd been on was to Kigali in Rwanda, um, and we had some fantastic meetings and events there. So I think that was probably my my very final thing. I, there may have been something else at the beginning of March. I know there were quite a lot going on for International Women's Day, and then it all happened really suddenly. Wow, it's really amazing because I was in uh, in Kenya to meet the girls, mm. our Kakuma girls, which I'm going to tell you in a minute. Um, so yeah, it's really amazing. You love Kigali? Yes, it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, it is just the most beautiful clean and organized city it's and I'd been maybe um 18 months previously so not not long and the amount of that's changed in that time I mean it's an incredible story for development did you grow up in uh, in Scotland are you Scottish or I grew up in between London and Scotland yeah you know I know I know your mom your mom is one of my uh, one of my heroes I love the way she's one of my heroes too she's amazing really amazing woman and do you have any siblings just me what about you? Yeah, I've got a twin brother. My twin brother lives oh, cool. in Germany, yes. And so what, where did you study then? Did you study uh, in Scotland or here? No, I studied in England and I studied English literature. 
Oh, wow. I heard you are a, an amazing speaker and you love telling stories. <laughs> Do you mind uh, well, tell us why it's important to tell stories? The way that we understand the world is through human connection. You can learn all the science and the equations and the theory behind something. But the, the real aha moments come from personal connection and understanding other people's experiences. It's one thing to say, you know, these island nations will be underwater if we continue to allow sea level rise. But it's another thing to meet someone who says, actually, my home was flooded this year because of sea level rise. You know, and I think that kind of difference between theory and a real human connection with a uh, especially in, in development work, is, is incredibly important because ultimately as humans, yes, we care about the environment and we care about, and we care about nature, but usually it's, it's human connection that drives us to make change. No, that's very true. And, and I think the, the reason why I love the work you guys are doing is that, you know, you are really making a difference across the world. I, I had the privilege to speak to some of your women just this week, actually, or last week. And I was telling them about the power of connections. You know, really the, the fact that it's so important to keep connections, but also have platforms like One World where you can go and meet leaders and connect with people. So, so important. So thank you for the service. Thank you for the work you guys are doing. It's our honor. And so, I mean, I remember when your mother and, and David Jones uh, hosted the first One World. I don't know, how old were you? Where were you? Uh, that's, yeah, that's a great question. So the first One Young World took place in 2010. And I was actually on the Scottish national debating team at the time. And it was the World Championships that week. So I was in Qatar at the World Championships trying to tune into the live stream which was, um, you know, the live stream wasn't quite as good 10 years ago whilst that was taking place in London. Uh, but I've been at every One Young World Summit since. Um, and we just had our 10th summit in London uh, a year ago. And we're hoping that our, our 11th summit will take place in Munich in April is the plan. It was originally going to be in October. We've moved the dates around. Uh, and we, we're fingers crossed that we will be in a slightly different situation in six months' time and that a lot of us, even if not all of us, will be able to meet in Munich. I love the... I've been trying to come to um, some of your summit, but I never had the chance. And every time there's a one world, I think I'm in Africa or I'm in Asia. So I'm looking forward to 2021 for sure. Awesome. Talking about one world, you know, and the impact you guys have and, and young people love coming to the platform and becoming ambassadors... If you think about it now, since 2010, what would you say you know, are the three things that uh, you know you guys have done for young people across the world? I'm sure you've done a lot. I, I hear so many good testimonies and stories, but do you mind just sharing with the girls? Um, so I would say the three things that we do is, number one, we identify young leaders. And some of them are quite well known. Some of them have won awards or been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. But some of the young leaders that we find are doing very humble grassroots work in their communities um, and have never been recognized for the work that they do. So number one is we identify. Um, number two is we connect them. We bring them together at the One Young World Summit. So every year we bring together sort of between, now it's around, last year I think we had about 2,500 young people in London um, and from every single country in the world. So One Young World is the only conference where you will see Vanuatu, Venezuela, um, from Peru to Papua New Guinea, you know, name the country, it's there. And, and that's very unusual. Um, you know, if we look at the UN or you know, the UN Security Council or the G20, the bigger nations and the wealthier nations are, are really strongly represented. 
and developing countries tend to not have a voice. So we make sure that everyone's connected at the One Young World Summit. And then the third thing we do is we promote the work of young leaders. Sometimes that means connecting them to amazing mentors like yourself. Sometimes that means getting media opportunities or speaking opportunities. So this week we had some One Young World ambassadors speaking at the Athens Democracy Forum uh, with the New York Times. And then sometimes promoting the work means um, connecting young leaders with funding. So this year we started the COVID-19 Young Leaders Fund and we've distributed um, sizable grants to 40 projects um, led by young people around the world. And also we have our signature SDG funding program called Lead 2030. So those are grants of between 50 and $100,000 uh, for young leaders working on the SDGs. So we, I think those are the three main things. We identify, connect, and promote the work of young leaders who are accelerating change in their communities. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I love what, um, you know, what you guys are doing, you know, One Young World. For young boys and girls who are listening, uh, it's One Young World. Please go and check the website um, and then learn about them because I actually would like to nominate some of my girls and boys. Awesome. And do follow us on, on social media as well. You know, the, the Instagram channel is a great place where we promote the work of young leaders uh, you can get inspired and get involved. You know, the impact you guys are having is really great. I've seen so many networks out there, platform and in, in connecting young people with leaders and, and content and, and topics. But what scares you, you know, when you, when the conference is finished and the summit is finished, you go home and you see all these young people going back home. What do you think about? I am very concerned about the slow action on climate change. I think that's probably the biggest, you know, certainly is the biggest threat that we face. I'm also concerned about impact of populism, not so much at the moment, but in the long run, the harm that populism can do to democracies. What populism now will lead to in the future concerns me. But I have to say, I'm a very optimistic person. And I, I really, I think if you're not optimistic, then you don't do anything. So I think, you know, it's important to stay optimistic because you have to believe that change can happen. Otherwise, you know, if you don't believe that change will happen, you'll never you'll never do anything. So I'm very passionate about staying optimistic. No, you're right. I do agree that we need to be optimistic. But when you see grow ups, you know, on TV shouting at each other, insulting at each other, it's really not very, very good. Well, how about the Black Lives Matters? Did you guys do anything about it? So One Young World was very inspired by the leaders who toppled apartheid um, in, in South Africa and the effect of individual ethical leadership on that transition. So particularly, I'm thinking of Nelson Mandela and, and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So racial justice has really been at the heart of our work for 10 years. But of course, with the murder of Mr. Floyd this summer, we, we've all had our attention sharpened to the need to address systemic racism urgently and aggressively. We've done several things, including um, making prioritizing funding to projects that address the disparity in outcomes for Black patients of COVID, because that's one of the terrible things about the COVID crisis has been that every inequality has been widened by the COVID crisis. We've definitely looked at the racial element of that, and we've also recorded a really great series that I hope your, your community will want to tune into. It's called Table Talks on Race. And we bring together young Black leaders who to talk about issues like the media and healthcare and education um, and really make space for Black voices to be listened to 
and to suggest solutions because I think action is so important, but we do have to have dialogue and discourse in order to decide the right course of action. Because I think knee-jack reactions are natural and, and they can achieve much. But I do think it's very important that we keep on talking to broaden our understanding and create more connections with each other. Is it the, the reason why you created the Together series? Is it the reason why? Uh, so we, we dealt with uh, racial justice on our other series, Together Apart. But as well as that, we've created this t- series, Table Talks, which is exclusively around the issue of race. What would you say, though, to young people today who don't have the chance to be part of the platform you guys have created? Young refugee girls, we have over 25,000 girls now globally. So I would say, first of all, if you want to be part of One Young World, don't give up. I met someone last year who applied four times and it took them four years to to get accepted on a scholarship um, and, and they made it. I would also say, you know, don't worry about your background. I think we had about 60 refugees at One Young World last year. Um, you know, we're really, really passionate about representing refugees, including in the Kukuma camp. I think we are a great organization that if you don't feel that you're traditionally represented at these sorts of things, you've got a really good chance of being represented with us. But of course, you know, it won't always happen for everybody. I think last year we had thousands and thousands of applications, but we do have lots of other opportunities to get involved with and um, an opportunity section of our website which directs you to loads of other organizations that are providing incredible opportunities for young leaders. And remember, you know, the change doesn't happen at a conference. The change happens in your community and it's the people that you are helping. And that's much more important than you being on stage at a conference or, or any amount of social media likes and things like that. The most important thing is the change that you're making in your community. And ironically, that's the way that you win your spot at One Young World, you know, is that we really want people who can show that they're making change. And sometimes that change is quite humble, but it's always that they've, you know, actually done it themselves. They've taken what they're able to, to make a difference within their community. So a good example, there's a a wonderful One Year World ambassador in Cameroon who noticed that he lives in a a rural village or a coastal village in Cameroon and noticed that there was a real problem with plastic pollution. And it was a fishing village traditionally, and it was, a, it was a real issue that the amount of plastic that was washing up was really destroying the community. So he is called Ismail Asomi Ebode. And um, he started gathering the plastic that was washing up on the shore. And, and eventually he was able to start employing people to start tying the plastic together to make boats. And those boats made out of plastic bottles are now used by fishermen and also for some tourist activities to take people around the coastal area. So that was someone who really, really had, all he had to go with was the rubbish on the, you know, the garbage on the beach. And he not only made a business out of that and employed people, but he made it to One Young World. And this week there was actually a news article about him in the newspaper in Cameroon. So I would just say wherever you are starting in life. So I would say that wherever you're starting in life and whatever you've got, you can make a huge difference. And if you keep on trying, everyone will notice and appreciate the effort that you are making. I do agree with you. I, I do tell them all the time and I'm really hoping that they can come to see you guys. So what would you say to youngest Ella now? Um, I would say um, to myself, aged 18, I would say that, you know, I went to a really wonderful university um, and I would say to try more of the societies and things at university because I think when you're at school or you're at university, there's all these fantastic clubs, whether it's a choir or a gardening club or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you have um, 
in your communities, there's often some fantastic opportunities. When you then start in the world of work, you know, you don't necessarily have time to try new hobbies. So I would say definitely explore more things. I would say probably learn a language. I wish I'd started Mandarin because even if I'd done it when I was like 21, by now I'd have done Mandarin for seven years. And, you know, so maybe, maybe I'll start doing some Mandarin actually. I would also say I took a training contract with a big law firm in the UK uh, called Freshfields. And I did one term of my law school conversion after university before I decided to, to go back to One Young World. And I have to say, I'm really proud of that decision because I think a lot of people, you know, if they were going to a prestigious law firm and, you know, most people want to be lawyers, and engineers and doctors and so on. I think deciding to follow social entrepreneurship was quite a scary decision to take, but I'm really glad I took this decision. And the reason I, I did take it is not so much that I listened to older mentors, but I listened to my peers who really understood that actually working for a law firm in your 20s is is not always that much fun <laughs> for, for number one. But two, they saw the difference that I could make at One Young World for other young people. So I think sometimes it's very easy to listen to older generations, but it's good to listen to younger generations too, because they'll be able to see what they think the future is going to be like. And I know when, when Sheryl Sandberg um, left Harvard she and decided to go to Google, her professors and everyone were going, what? No, I mean, that's like a startup in a garage. You could, you could go to Goldman Sachs. Why would you go to Google? What's that? Whereas her friends were like, oh my gosh, yes, you should be part of this internet revolution. So I, I think it's a good idea to listen to your, your peer-to-peer mentors as well as professors and parents and family. There's an alternative education, but having a mentors, listening to your peers and leaders across the world, definitely will help you. I watch your videos and, and the work you've been doing. And I think you are a really promising young woman. And I think you talk about gratitude all the time. Do you feel grateful for what you have? Yeah, I am. I'm immensely grateful. I'm grateful for my family and for my friends and for the One Young World community. Um, I'm particularly grateful for the One Young World community because it connects me to people all over the world. So a friend of mine who is called Lam Jaw and who was in the Kakuma refugee camp for a long time, um, but now lives with his wife and children uh, in Nairobi. He visited South Sudan for the first time today and messaged me to tell me, oh, I just went back to South Sudan. And actually he called his daughter Ella after me. (laughs) So, you know, I, I am so grateful for the community who connect me with all these amazing places and these amazing people. And I I really, really want to give a shout out to all the One Year World ambassadors around the world who allow us to have this incredible insight into what's going on in other countries. You achieve quite a lot, you know, for someone at your age. What would you say to our girls and boys in Kakumo refugee camp in Brazil, in favelas, in really tough places across the world? What are you proud of right now? Well, I'm proud of you. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you are already caring about changing the world and making your community better. And I just want to recognize you guys because, you know, you are in our thoughts. Um, And when I go to meetings at places like the UN or Davos, you know, the people who I'm imagining in my mind are my, you know, my refugee friends and my, my friends who live in informal housing because the world leaders need to be thinking of you guys first. But I'm also proud of the One Young World team. You know, it's a young team and we come from a lot of different countries. I think like everybody during the pandemic, it's been very stressful. I think they've all worked really hard. So I'm very proud and grateful for my colleagues who have done a tremendous amount of work, especially with the COVID-19 Young Leaders Fund um, and making sure we're able to get grants to young people all around the world. One of our specific areas that we wanted to help was um, refugees because a lot of the time, Refugee communities aren't able to 
necessarily, they don't necessarily know the language of the country that they're in yet. So the government guidance for the pandemic was something that they ne weren't necessarily able to, to read the leaflets or understand the radio announcements. So we were very concerned about refugees and, and I'm very, very proud of all the One Young World ambassadors who are helping the refugee nation around the world. One of the things I'm dreaming of is to bring you to Kakuma to meet them. I would love to come. My dad has been a couple of times and I would, I would really love to come. Extraordinary young women. Uh, and they just, we just start mentoring them, actually. They just started and I hope you can become one of the mentors. Um, so, so who's your mentor? I have a few people I think of as mentors. At the moment, I would say my main mentor is probably my, my mother, who's my boss, uh, Kate Robertson. And she's an amazing, amazing person to learn from. Um, I would also say in terms of peer-to-peer -peer mentoring, I'm the director of operations at One Young Worlds, a lady called Megan Downey. And she and I are like yin and yang. We're very different. You know, I feel like I'm quite like passionate and I've got new ideas and I want to do stuff. And she's like really professional and methodical and um, she makes sure everything gets done perfectly. And so I learn a lot from her as well. That's really awesome. What does diversity and inclusion means to you? So I think diversity and inclusion is one of those phrases that everyone feels they now have to have in their organization. And sometimes what that means is... When you take a photo of our organization, you will see different colored faces. And that's kind of it. And actually, you know, diversity and inclusion, I think the I that I like to add to that is intersectionality. So, you know, it shouldn't be, well, we have one black person and one gay person. And, you know, it should be, you should be going, well, how many black gay people do we have? Or how many, you know, Asian people with disabilities and so on and so forth. You know, it's going beyond how many non-straight, white, able-bodied people do we have? Diversity is also about diversity of background. I know plenty of organizations who go, well, we've got lots of, you know, black employees, but all the black employees they have are from very wealthy families. And they don't have any people, black or white, in their company who didn't come from a wealthy family. So, you know, there's lots of diversity that you can't see in a photograph. I would also say that, you know, there's lots of, and th there are so many buzzwords and everything sounds like a cliche. You know, it's like things like diversity is, being asked to party and inclusion is being asked to dance and all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, it's ultimately, it's about, do you have equal respect for your fellow human? And do you have compassion about the journey that they have experienced to bring them to being in your organization? Because some people have more complex lives and more complex journeys. As an organization, you have to be compassionate about that and make sure that they are able to succeed fully regardless of that journey. I think it's really important what you just said about diversity and inclusion. So um, well done again for of the conferences. I've got a couple of more questions before you go. You know, one of my biggest focus right now is the sustainable development goals. It's been for the, since 2000. Are you guys doing anything? I know you just mentioned about the fund you just launched uh, recently for the SDGs. But how can we make sure the, you know, the One Young World ambassadors and boys and girls joining you for the next 10 years can focus on SDGs? So we do a, a lot on the SDGs. Um, you know, as I said, we have LEAD 2030 is our sort of flagship program for the SDGs, where, you know, we've given about a million dollars in donations to projects on, around the SDGs in the last year. Um, each goal has a challenge. Um, and right now, if you go to the One Year World website, there is a challenge for goal five, which is gender equality. And you can win up to $100,000 for your work on goal five if you apply for that. So I would encourage everyone listening to, to go apply. Um, we also have a partnership with Vanity Fair magazine. 
the Vanity Fair Global Goals list for with One Young World. And every year we honor 17 people, one for each sustainable development goal. We also are working on some really great festivals and events next year to really excite people about the SDGs. And our impact report, which we publish every year, we always make sure that we show these are the One Young World projects in education. These are the One Young World projects in health. These are the One Young World projects in peace, justice, and strong institutions. And if you go to One Young World forward slash impact, there's actually a whole project database of hundreds of projects around the world. And you can search by goal, you know, if you know what goal is the goal that you are most passionate about, and see all the other young people working on that goal, and use the One Young World website to get in touch with those projects, um, and volunteer or donate or whatever you can do. So we really, really are passionate about empowering young people to know about the goals, to report their impact in line with the goals, and then to um, fund and champion those who are doing fantastic work on the goals already. Our biggest mission is to get 1 million women and girls to learn how to code by the year 2030. So we're very aligned with the, the UN agenda and the SDGs. If you think about 10 years from now, and, and now that you're funding the SDGs, you have projects around them, what would you say to young girls, my girls who are now 11 years old, in 2030, they'll be 21 years old, looking for jobs. What advice do you have for these young people who don't have connections uh, and looking, have amazing ideas. I've got climate change activists in Kakumu refugee camp. What would you say to them? I would say the number one best use of your time is usually reading. I think there is so much we can learn from books about other people, about the world, you know, whether it's facts or stories. So I would, I would say to kids, you know, the coolest piece of technology is a book. You know, if you're not passionate about reading yet, ask people um, what they recommend. Um, and if you have access to a library, try and try and get new recommendations because one day you will fall in love with reading. Um, you just have to find the right kind of books for you. I would say, you know, study hard in, in, in whatever kind of school environment you have um, to study as hard as you can, uh, because you never know what study will lead you to. You know, you, you may find that you are really, really brilliant at a subject and, and then you're able to get support to pursue that. But I would also say um, my definition of success is how much you're able to help other people and how many other people you're able to help. Uh, I think the most successful people of all time have been the people who've helped the most people. You know, if you're able to get into community service and, you know, no matter how poor or, you know, unwell you are or whatever your circumstances may be, I know some incredible people who, are, who still help a lot of other people. So I think that that's something that everybody can do. And I'm not saying you need to help 100 people today, but if you start by helping one person every day, in 100 days time, you'll have helped 100 people. Trying to do everything you can to help those people around you will always help you become more successful. Now, I can visualize 2030 with all of the young girls uh, we're helping now become you know, full-stack developers in 2030. So you, I totally agree with you. I have a couple of bonus questions that I usually ask the people I like. Uh, what, what is privilege for you? That is a good question. Um, privilege is when you as a human imbue things and that may be race that may be gender it may be education but you imbue things that give you an advantage over other people in life you've worked really hard for your education I'm not saying that it's unfair that you have that advantage but it is still an advantage that you have over other people you should be careful about how you wield that privilege uh, and one more what is abundance I, I meet a lot of people who have an abundance of money 
an abundance of power, an abundance of Instagram followers, but they don't have an abundance of contentment because no matter where you are in the world, that comes from being around people who make you feel like the little moments, like having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or laughing at a good joke, that that is the essence of life. Because I really think that all the big moments and the awards and the diplomas and whatever else people may achieve in life, I think that's all quite meaningful if you you aren't able to have a laugh and appreciate the little moments. What is humanity for Ella? The way we kind of explain why we, we have One Young World and why we have every country in the world is we look back to the 2004 Olympics in Athens. So I realize that some of your, your kids won't have been born then. So let me paint a picture. So 9-11, which you know, is an event that has really shaped the world and foreign policy this century, had happened in between the, the Sydney Olympics and the Athens Olympics. And since then, you know, America and NATO allies had gone to war in Afghanistan and um, Western nations were also at war in Iraq. At the Athens opening ceremony, which was very spectacular, it was the year 2004 and Athens is where the Olympics was born. So everyone was very excited to have the Olympics there. And it was the biggest ever team from the United States. So lots of great things to be expected. But the biggest cheers in the opening ceremony stadium were not for the historic hosting Greek team. And nor were they for the biggest ever American team. They were for the tiny bedazzled and bedraggled teams from Iraq and from Afghanistan. And the world was saying, we are sorry for your struggle and we are with you as a human family. In the same way that the refugee team in, in 2016 got the biggest cheer, that was the human family saying, we are with you. And I think for me, that is the best depiction of what it means to experience the oneness of humanity. Where do you find your strength as a leader? Uh, and being a young person, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, they were talking, they were saying to me that, you know, sometimes they get discriminated because, uh, not just because of their skin color or where they, in the class, where they come from, the way they speak and all of this, but they get discriminated because they're young people, busy mind like, you know, like you, but where do you get your, your strength as a leader? I think um, any strength that I have comes from a vision of where I think we can go and knowing that if we work hard, we can get there. And I, I want One Young World to be so big and so important in the world. And when I imagine that, then I, you know, then I, then I really, really have the strength to carry, carry on going and work harder and come up with more ideas. I think absolutely as a young person, um, you, you are discounted a lot of the time. And I know other young people may be hearing me say that and say, well, you know, it's all right for her, look at where she's at right now. But I really empathize with young people around the world who are not taken seriously because they are young. And I think the world is suffering from not taking young people seriously enough. I think it is such a great loss to all of our societies. And I appreciate that in the West, we have less of a problem than we do in other in other cultures where it's very age conscious and, you know, elders automatically are given more respect. But, you know, some elders have come up with some pretty bad ideas. 
there are places where the elders have made a real mess and I don't think that they should be given respect just because they are old. But I also think, you know, you earn respect. It's a two-way thing. And I think people will always respect work ethic and integrity. And if you're a young person who is struggling to, to be heard in your community, if you show one older person, look how hard I'm working and look how strong my integrity is, that you will find one older person who will back you up and they will get another older person and you will get a coalition of people who, who will help you make change. But I, I really, really think that it's, it's important to know where you want to go. And I would say the most exciting thing you'll ever be a part of as a human will be growth. You know, that is the most thrilling thing to see something go from something small to something quite small to something medium size, eventually to something big is so exciting. And if you're looking for an, if you really don't know if you're a young person, what you want to do, I would say, what can you be a part of that's growing? Because that will bring you a lot of fulfillment and give you a lot of opportunities. And do they need to be humble as well? Humility is so important. You know, I think Confucius said, the wise man is humble and the arrogant man is stupid. And I really, really think that staying humble is is important. And, you know, you stay humble really not by going, oh, I'm so humble. Oh, you know, oh, it's, oh, I'm not very good. I'm, you know, don't be false humble because, you know, you still need to be authentic. You stay humble by looking at the people around you who who didn't necessarily get the opportunities that you did and knowing that, you know, no matter how hard you worked or no matter how smart you are, that other people have helped you get you where you are and you owe things to other people and you owe it to give back. You know, it's important to be humble, but don't let humility keep you quiet. It's important and you have a duty to use your voice as well. Well, Ella Robertson, you know, I am a great fan now of yours and I hope that we can do a lot of work together at One Young World. Do you mind just telling the boys and girls your title and uh, and then it will be amazing just to to hear you uh, say goodbye to them in a, in a way that you always do. My name is Ella Robertson. I am the Managing Director of One Young World and the co-author of How to Make a Difference. To all the young girls who are listening to this, you are seen and you are heard and you have the opportunity to do whatever it is that you want to put your minds and your efforts to. We will create a fairer world for you where sexism and misogyny do not blight your future. We are working on it and we need you to join us in that fight. It was really brilliant to have Ella on the podcast, eloquent, beautiful, definitely have a mission to give young boys and girls growing up, the Generation Z, making sure they have a voice. We need that. We need to hear from these people who usually don't have a voice, don't have a platform. So I definitely, definitely endorse the One Young World uh, platform. And I, I love the fact that they identify with, uh, you know, the fact they can connect people, uh, they can promote young leaders and give them a platform. I think it is really remarkable. We need to include young boys and girls into our conversation. We need to do that because I think sometimes we think they don't have a voice or we don't listen to them. Definitely need to listen to them. So thank you so much for being here and I hope that you are enjoying the podcast. Remember to subscribe on the I Am The Code podcast on Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We're all over the place. I want to just leave you with this message. Don't forget to be yourself. 
you are not competing with anyone there's nobody on this earth you're competing with try to rebuild the inclusion meanings bring people at the table people you are not used to talk to bring them talk to them reach out to them and you'll find out that that's how we can rebuild the inclusion all across the world i want to thank you for being here i want to thank you for listening to i am the code i also want to thank you for just being here for us thank you so much and i will see you soon goodbye